Truth and Self-Knowledge, The Golden Ark and the Torah Scholar. This is for Parsha Truma, 5783. The first vessel described in the process of the construction of the Mishkan is the Ark, which contained the Torah. This is Perak Chavhe Pasuk Yir Aleph, and it reads, Vitzipita oto zahav tahor, mi bayt umichutz titzapenu, and you shall overlay it with pure gold from inside and from outside. You should overlay it, and you shall make upon it a golden crown all around. So Gemara in Yuma, Ayin Bet Amud Bet, 72b, says the following. You should cover it inside and out. Amar Rava, Rava said, So Rava says, any Talmud Chacham that is not his inside is not like his outside, is not considered a Talmud Chacham, so, uh, or a Torah scholar. So it's interesting, Rabba states that a Torah scholar whose inside is not like his outside is not a true Torah scholar. This statement has an intuitive appeal, but upon closer examination requires further explanation. What does it mean that his inside is not like his outside? Why did he not simply say that any person whose inside is not like his outside, is not a scholar. It's always strange to me when a statement says, any scholar, any Talmud Chacham, who's not Toho Kovaro, is not a Talmud Chacham, well, then he wasn't a Talmud Chacham in the first place, right? So the Rambam incorporates this statement into his Laws of Character Development, and he writes in Hilchot Deot, Perik Bet, Halacha, Vav, Asur Adam Haniga Atzmo, B'divrei Chalakot Upitui. So the Rambam says it's prohibited for a person to operate in like a smooth-talking and a flattering manner. And he can't have one thing in his mouth and another thing in his heart. Rather, his inside should be like his outside, and whatever is in his heart, that should be in his mouth. So it's interesting, the Rambam seems to repeat himself, but one direction is from his mouth, is a reflection of his heart. The other one is that what's in his heart is reflected in his mouth, right? And it's prohibited to deceive the what people think, right? To mislead someone, even uh, someone who's uh, not Jewish. And he explains by giving a few examples. A person can't sell to a non-Jewish person meat that was not slaughtered properly according to Jewish law if it's represented that way. And so even though it doesn't make a difference to them, they don't have to keep kosher, but nonetheless he can't represent, misrepresent that. He says a person can't invite his fellow uh, in a situation where he knows he can't attend and uh, kind of misrepresent that relationship. He can't open a barrel of wine and that he was going to open anyway and say, hey, I'm opening it just for you. He gives a few of these uh, examples and he uh, concludes and he says, Rather, one should have only truthful speech, a, uh, a straight uh, and correct uh, spirit, a pure heart, and remove himself really from any deceit or, uh, or trickery. So the concept of one's inside being like his outside is manifest in ha the Torah's legal system. There are obvious implications with regard to business transactions. But this concept extends to the social and interpersonal realm as well. Even if no money is exchanged and there is nothing to be refunded, 
one can act in a way that leads to a misrepresentation of his intentions. We are prohibited from engaging in this type of deception. So why is this quality related to a true Torah scholar? So perhaps there is an additional element here beyond how we are perceived by others. The description that one's inside is like his outside could also refer to one's personal relationship to truth, describing how a person's actions indicate what they believe to be true and valuable. If one relates to his ideas and philosophy as having a reality to them, they will naturally manifest in his actions. The Torah scholar's actions are a manifestation of his perception of truth. There is no disconnect. The Princeton philosopher Harry Frankfurt discusses some of our modern challenges in relating to truth. He highlights that sometimes people are entirely indifferent as to whether something is actually true or false. They look at speech and actions only in terms of their utility. It is not that they deliberately lie or deceive, but they are indifferent to truth, denying that it has any import on how they operate. He explains that issues with truth arise, quote, whenever circumstances require someone to talk without knowing what he is talking about, stimulated whenever a person's obligations or opportunities to speak about some topic are more extensive or more excessive than his knowledge of the facts that are relevant to the topic. This discrepancy is common in public life, where people are frequently impelled whether by their own propensities or by the demands of others, to speak extensively about matters of which they are to some degree ignorant. And here I bolded this section. They lack the lack of any significant connection between a person's opinions and his apprehension of reality will be even more severe. Needless to say, for someone who believes it is his responsibility as a conscientious moral agent to evaluate events and conditions in all parts of the world. End quote. A Torah scholar may find himself in a position where he's called upon to share his opinion with others. But this position could also be a pitfall. If the scholar and expert is not careful, he can be lulled into venturing opinions outside his area of expertise. Over time, this can lead to a distorted relationship to truth. The best approach for the wise is sometimes silence, as Rabbi Akiva states in Pirkei Avot, in which the Rambam incorporates in the prior halacha and deot of Perik Bet halacha hey, uh, right to the one uh, prior to the one we just quoted above. Siag Silence preserves wisdom. Silence is golden. Only a vessel that is gold inside and out, only a person whose commitment to truth permeates his thoughts, speech, and actions can be considered a true Torah scholar.